This is iFanboy Special Edition Batman and Harley Quinn. My fanboy special edition Batman and Harley Quinn. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and I have reconvened the iFanboy Animation Brain Trust, Paul Montgomery. Hello. And Ryan Haupt. I answered the call. And we are talking about the 29th DC Universe animated original film, Batman and Harley Quinn. And Paul, it's also Harley Quinn's anniversary this week. Yeah, it's, a, I think, Monday was her 25th birthday as a person, character. I don't know. So yeah. by waiting and being a little late on this, we actually made it more it timely. all part of the plan. <laughs> so we're, we're talking about the latest film. There'll be spoilers if you haven't seen it. Pause it, come back. But this is the latest in the DC Universe animated original line, which is known by several names, but it's the one that is overseen by Bruce Timm, though not as directly anymore. Although this is his film. He's come back. Uh, he came back for Gods and Monsters about six films ago. And he's back for Batman Harley Quinn. This was based on his story. This was co-written by him. And he features, uh, he plays Booster Gold in it as well. That's true. So this is a road movie, kind of. It is also a return, sort of, to the Batman animated series world. It features the character designs, or at least sort of character designs from the second half of the series. It features new the, adventures, but yeah. with the backgrounds and some of the vehicles from the original <laughs> Batman the animated series. And the voice work of uh, Kevin Conroy and Lauren Lester as Batman and Dick Grayson, uh, although it features a new Harleen Quinzel and Melissa Rauch from The Big Bang Theory. The Batman design did look tweaked, even from the new adventures. Well, it's been a long time. It's like... People will comment if we don't some. It's somewhere in between new adventures and Justice League. It's not the Justice League. Yeah, yeah, that's a good description. He's very slim. He's not as barrel-chested. True. Svelte. Yeah. Svelte bat. It's easier to fly when you're svelte, Paul. So uh, this this story briefly is that Poison Ivy and the Floronic Man are teaming up to do what they do, which is try to get rid of all the people and and return the world to plants. And of course, re- reverse Fern Gully or something. <laughs> and uh, Batman and Nightwing grab Harley Quinn to help because Harley Quinn is besties with Poison Ivy to help stop them. And that's basically the plot of the film. And this is this is her post Joker. She's been released uh, on parole, and but she hasn't been keeping up with her parole board. And she's working at very interesting themed restaurant. Super that, Babes. Super Babes. Diner. Super Babes. Sort of a Hooters in the DC universe, which would totally happen. Sure. I love the idea that Nightwing doesn't know about it right. <laughs> until he stumbles upon it. <laughs> what is this? I feel like Nightwing would be like a backer. <laughs> yeah, he would have this. definitely started it. I did enjoy sort of the meta joke of the hot granny goodness waitress. That was, I was like, is that? Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny to me on several levels. So Nightwing finds her at the restaurant. They have a little sexual interlude, and then they go on the road to Batman to find... Poison Ivy and the Floronic Man. I think you just yada, yada, yada something. <laughs> well, I'm just giving the overview. We'll get to that in a second. What I found, I, I, was, I think about a lot after watching this film. because I, I, My reaction is very complicated. Yes. How long have you been thinking, Thanks. Connor? I would say I've been thinking about it for the two, when did you watch uh, it? The two hours since Sorry. I finished watching the movie. Okay. Bruce, I think Bruce Timm's bored. <laughs> 
<laughs> He's been doing these cartoons for 25 years, and I would not begrudge him for being bored about any of this. And so he left the line, and then he came back and he did Gods and Monsters, which was totally di- a different kind of story. Uh, it was terrific. Yeah. And then this is more of a Batman comedy. As we said, it's the designs are sort of an amalgam of, of the two versions of the Batman the Animated Series. But then there's also a, he- a heavy dose of Batman 66 in here. Yep. It's sort of a straight-up comedy, but then there are parts that are drama. I thought the tone was a little hard to wrap my head around. I think it's, I think it's mostly comedy. Yeah. I don't know. It's way more comedy than I was anticipating. Yes, that's... that's I think what threw me off of the first was that, I, oh, this is like a straight-up comedy. Batman's sort drinking of, a glass of milk. On the thing about him being bored, about Bruce Tim being bored, I, I don't know if... I don't know if that's true. I just my feeling I get after watching Yeah, it. I don't know if it's that or it's like, or like this is the thing he's long wanted to do. <laughs> like maybe now that he's done a lot of serious stuff and like this is a total shift from... Uh, What's it called? Gods and Monsters. Gods and Monsters. Yeah. The the previous one, like the previous one he did. Yeah. That that's very dark, very serious, very inventive. Like it's a. I mean, we've seen a a bunch of uh, what if Batman was evil or what if you know Superman was evil or fascist or whatever. We've seen a billion of those, but like that was a very creative take on that. Right. It was really interesting and. This just felt sort of like, okay, now we don't have to worry about the censors on Fox or WB. We can kind of do some really blue jokes. It felt, I don't know, it, it, it like the, just the amount of comedy and the types of jokes that were in it. I got the sense that it was like Bruce Tim, like, uh, you know, un, unshackled, yes, like Bruce Tim doing what he wants to do and the kinds of jokes that he was never allowed to tell. And and the sexier, and the sexier too. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah. Bruce Timm's always been about sexy drawings of superheroes. You know, he has whole books, you know, pinup of pinup art, and right. his characters are very his even the designs for these characters. You know, very hourglassy women, and you know, fits into that uh, Darwin Cook style of of throwback sexiness. And this is, I, I did feel that too, Paul. That he this is sort of unshackled Bruce Timm, like I. They never let us do a straight-up comedy episode. Let's do a comedy one, and let's make it sexier, and let's do all the things we couldn't do before because we're 29 into this, and you know mm-hmm. who's going to stop me? There was a criticism going around online before I'd, I'd seen this about Harley Quinn when she she. There's a moment where she goes to her closet and she's picking out an outfit, yeah, and she bends over, uh-huh. and Dick Grayson is tied to this bed watching this and so he has this particular angle and the way they draw harley quinn's butt like they were like you can the 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 commenter was saying you can tell that it was just a bunch of guys in a room who did this because like anatomically like she has two butt cracks and it doesn't make sense um and so it was uh kind of uh interesting that was the that was the main commentary that i saw coming out of this before i'd watched it oh really i I saw the only commentary i saw was about the fart joke which people and that. Really hate. <laughs> I, I saw that more recently. That's funny because I thought that the shot of her bending over was so quick. I didn't even absorb any details from it. Yeah, I wouldn't have noticed it either. But it was something. There was a still of it, and it's like the way her—I don't know—her panties work over. Like she kind of has two butts. Hmm. Maybe that's it's why weird. Lightning was so into it. Maybe 
Maybe. Maybe, maybe but, that's what, you know, um, Starfire has too, and he was just reminiscing. It's with his, with his, uh, she has two butts, so maybe. I loved his, um, I loved his Doug Ross ER cut. Yeah, the Caesar hair. The, the very extreme Caesar haircut for 2017. Ryan, what'd you think tonally of the film? Uh, I agree with you. It was a little, you know, more comedy than I was expecting. And so then when you cut back to like a pretty grim and somber death scene, I was like, oh, that's a weird, weird direction to take things. And then it just kind of ends. You're like, mm. oh, well, guess, guess that was the movie. All right. That was a Looney Tunes ending. It was a very Looney Tunes ending. Did you guys say to the end of the credits, there was like a yes. five minute sequence at the end? Yeah, that sequence went on way longer than I <laughs> anticipated. I mean, and I it was got very... the joke very quickly. And then I was like, okay, this is this is still going with this joke. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. It's like it's it was very involved. <laughs> um, that seemed like a very complex um, animation sequence with the like um, American Ninja Warrior set. <laughs> yeah. Um, like that probably commentary on our mental health care system. The, the, the South Korean animation team that was working on this spent a lot of time on that. And it's something that probably not a lot of people saw because they probably turned it off. I only did it, did it because so they've been doing these films that take place in a shared universe. And those usually have a post credit sequence. Yeah. That's why I watched it. But this was a standalone and I thought, well, I'll just fast forward to the end, and if it's there, if there's something there, I'll see it. But I didn't expect to run into like a full-on sequence, which is mm-hmm. I think the most we've seen in a post. I thought it was funny. It was you know the whole running plot from this is that she's reformed. You know Harley Quinn. She's trying really hard to be reformed, but she can't get a job because uh, she's an ex-con. She's an ex-Arkham uh, Asylum inmate. She's an ex-supervillain, so she's waitressing, but. Uh, so now she's gotten a TV job as sort of a Dr. Phil-esque TV psychiatrist who, who apparently puts her patients through elaborate. Uh, by, the, by the end credits. Up, up yeah. until that point, she hasn't, like, throughout the movie, she doesn't have that job. No, right. So then there was a reveal at the end that she's, her next right. thing is she's uh, a TV personality, puts her patients through these American Ninja Warrior-esque obstacle courses to help them. But you're right, it's sort of a commentary on the sort of pop psychology of, uh, of all these things. Like if you get, if you get through the obstacle course, you win a year's free therapy from an actual therapist. Also, rewinding a bit, Connor. Yep. I don't know when these shows are going to drop in the sequence, but there seems to be a theme with opening sequences in superhero comedy things now, where you have like the silhouettes of people chasing each other around, because that's almost exactly the same style and feel as the opening credits for The Tick that we just covered. So I guess. It should have been obvious this was more of a comedy because the opening credits were very, very silly, silly pop arty, Saul Bassy, a lot of big horns. I thought, yeah, I thought of Saul Bassy, like especially with the lettering and yeah. stuff, which carries into the end credits as well. The music for the menu screen is the same music, so I guess in retrospect, all the clues were there that this wasn't going to be your normal Batman. You know, this wasn't the, the mostly you get the Batman theme music that sounds like a variation on the animation or the animated series but this was big and brassy and silly so we should have known i guess from the beginning of the tone this was going to work so do you think it worked hmm ryan <laughs> paul i enjoyed this to ryan yeah I, I enjoyed it i enjoyed it as well i didn't love it yeah i uh i enjoyed it i think it's a, a mixed bag there's yes. there's some real groaners in there and not in a like fun way there's like actual also, groaning maybe this speaks to where i'm at in the world with <laughs> our current situation and politics but kind of agree with floronic man and ivy on this one let's burn it to the ground yeah <laughs> so i almost didn't want them to be stopped i was kind of happy with their plan to just wipe the slate clean and start anew well that's always yeah, the Ra's thing is is 
it's more compelling if there's a little bit of truth in it. Yes. You know, we are yeah. sort of destroying the planet, so I guess they're not wrong. That's always more compelling. And it's interesting that there would be, like, in a comedy like this, yes. like, there's an actual, like, oh, they have a point there, yeah. <laughs> Uh, there's there's a lot of stuff in here that are groaners, as I said, but there's a lot of stuff that I I really like. I I love the the Swamp Thing gag, especially if you, if you're a, like a longtime fan of Swamp Thing and know sort of how he works and where he's where he's gone. I guess since um, since like the Alan Moore stuff, where he just sort of shows up and he's like, I I don't like what you're doing, but who am I to judge? And then sinks <laughs> back into the water, and they're like, What? And like, and just seeing like 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 Harley obviously is going to have like a broad reaction to it, but but um, Lauren Lester is as Dick Grayson is like, Oh come on! Like, <laughs> well, they were that, so that excited when he showed up. It yeah, was, he's like, Yes, <laughs> it was a great thing. gag because they had set him up as the, the Deus Ex Machina character, right? So we had a tease of him in the beginning. They stole his research, uh, Doctor Alec Holland's research, and there's a little. Little, a very heavy-handed origin of a of swamp thing related by Batman. It was and like, well, where's actually, this camera? That's absurd. I, that was, I was wondering about the camera that was filming Alec Holland on fire. But theoretically, so. he could have security footage outside of his laboratory, and even though it's like in, in the middle swamp. of nowhere, I know. Yeah. But he like, hung he in could a tree. Have, like a, he could um, have a nest cam or something. I did. I did like that the security guard or cop or whoever did confuse Floronic Man and Swamp Thing because I feel like that's every nerd has to at one point in our nerd career make a very pedantic correction along that line so they like he's a, he's a very d-list kind of villain yeah. um floronic man and they chose his most d-list name like he has he goes by flora floria the cedar like all floria different is the, the dimension he's from which floria i misread as florida the first time i saw it I was like well that makes sense to have a and when reading his wikipedia, re, re, reading his wikipedia article just just to be clear i didn't know that coming in. I, I had to read the wikipedia article to catch up on floronic man because i haven't read all of his appearances in flash and the atom but uh uh, yeah, come on, Tom. They, they apparently used like a, a, a just like a mishmash of of all three of his various origins because they referenced stuff that happened in the Alan Moore Swamp thing. I believe uh, they mentioned him being a dryad from another dimension, but he also is named Jason Woodrow. Yeah, which, it's weird. So that's not a name yeah. I would anticipate coming. From so just so like, let's use everything. So they, they set it up that Poison Ivy and Floronic Man had to go to Swamp Thing's actual swamp in Louisiana to make their plan work. So now you see where this is going, right? You see they're going to run into Swamp Thing. He's going to save the day. But Swamp Thing appears in his giant three-story high Swamp Thing version, which I, I laughed also at. And then, uh, as Paul said, he just went, yeah, never mind, and he left. So I did like that swerve on it. Because they'd been teasing him throughout the entire episode or movie that he was going to appear. Uh, John DiMaggio is the voice of God for uh, <laughs> for Swamp Thing. It's fun. Uh, I mean, I think I, th- I agree with I think I agree with Paul. I mean, I agree with both of you. There were sequences I really liked, even goofier ones. I did like the whole sequence at um, at the Superman bar at the bar with all the sci- uh, not the psychics, but like the hoods, the yep, uh, hired yep, goons, yep. all the yeah, like thugs, the goons. That was, uh, that was very sixties Adam West era. Adam- even without the um, punching sound effects at the end, I did. I thought the whole thing was great. I like. I, I like these voice casts. I love Lauren Lester's Nightwing. I watched the the feature on him, which I assume you guys didn't watch because you probably watched it digitally. I yeah, rented it digitally. Same. There's a nice feature, which I would say is his, the way to go. His his uh, return to the character uh, was fun. He's I think he's great. He's a great Dick Grayson. Yeah, he's good. Sounds you know pretty much the same. It's 
you know, it's not yeah. a situation like uh, what's the guy who plays um, Megatron? Like, like his voice is gone over the years. Or but... uh, James Earl Jones is Darth Vader. He's still got. I just watched Rogue One again. He sounds He's very old. Cool. He sounds very old. I, I, okay. I love him. He sounds old though. He just got out of the back to tank though, or whatever that is. So he hasn't cleared his throat. Yeah, it's got some, some back to them. The fight sequences were great. Yeah, you know, as they always are. I thought, I, yeah, I thought the action sequences were pretty good. It's a it, it's a high quality one. I, th- I think sometimes you can, sometimes they don't always come off that way, but I think this one was. I increasingly find myself drifting during the action sequences. I'm finding them all a little samey at this point, and mm-hmm. I know that that's a feature of these films is you have to have like a big action set piece or several big action set pieces, but they're doing less and less for me as we keep getting a couple of these movies every year. That makes total sense. I think the big surprise for me was uh, Min and Max, the two Two-Face henchmen singing Don't Pull Your Love, like because <laughs> yeah. that keeps going. Like, the whole time. Yeah, that they're was a, that was a full they're going in on this. They sang the whole song. Good voices. I have a hard time even encapsulating like my thoughts in one line on it. It's like a, I've, I would call it a, like a, an interesting curiosity. Like it's a, it's a very strange product. Yeah. I think it's... Um, it's. I think it's very much designed for people who watched and loved the original Batman the Animated Series and have kind of a, a fun sense of humor about it. I didn't think, like, I don't know, maybe half the jokes were funny, but yes. I, I, I was tickled by enough of it that I would say it's worth renting and checking out. I was thinking about it after, and you know, it's, it's not like the quote-unquote Timverse hasn't had seriously goofy elements, especially in the, in the Justice League side of things. I mean, you had uh, yeah, sure. you had Batman having to sing on stage. You know, you had people turning into pigs. Mm-hmm. So, Wonder Woman into a pig, right? right? So it's not like which that episode also featured a long musical sequence right, of so Batman singing. That's what I mean. And so I, that's one of my favorite sequences in that entire series. Yeah. So. In that sense, it doesn't feel out of necessarily completely out of place. It's just it's just that the comedy's turned the dials turned a little bit more up. And I'm always happy with comedy in, in these things. So there was also an episode. I don't know where it fell, but there was an episode with Harley Quinn doing karaoke, and that was uh, at the club right after the two the Two Face Henchmen stopped singing. She it was like she had to trade singing that song to the the big yeah i mean but there was like that's a callback apparently to another harley quinn scene from uh one of the animated series i don't know which one but she apparently did that in something of course it wasn't this actress but and i felt like i uh, i was i went into this thinking like hearing the criticism of of her performance uh, melissa roush as as harley quinn and so i had sort of low expectations going in and i think she does okay in some spots but then in other spots it's like very much like this is an actress reading words mm-hmm. like there 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 are bits for her that are a little bit overwritten like she she has this definite sort of affectation like a lot yeah of, it felt like, like sometimes she's stuff too and, hard to hold on to the accent right Maybe and the performance suffered so for things it. didn't feel as natural yeah they doubled down on brooklyn jewish Right, that they haven't before, which is fine because I guess that's her character. But it's some, it's some like when Bendis would throw in Yiddish with every character he wrote. This is very vaudeville. Yeah, <laughs> um, in places where it doesn't doesn't feel natural. There are some spaces in here where it's like I could see that joke landing, but just they didn't get the timing right on something. 
So I mean, there I, there are definitely things here that if you're if you're a longtime fan of the DC animated universe, uh, are worth checking out, like seeing all the all the different thugs. So like Captain Clown, and and some of the other henchmen are recognizable from the animated series. Flarmo and Curl are the the ones the one who does the Batusi to Batman <laughs> is kind of fun. Like just the animations of the dancing are kind of funny and like how bad they're. It's like it's kind of like the. Um, like Charlie Brown Christmas special, <laughs> like right. the weird, like they have one move that they keep doing over and over again. Well, that's the thing is if you got one dance move down, you just drive that into the ground. I also just, like you just it, drive it into the ground. That is how I operate in life. Same sex henchmen dancing together. It was a very nice sequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I liked it. It wasn't what I was expecting, so that's the only trouble I'm having over. I'm, I'm a fan of of vaudeville esque superhero <laughs> stories, so. Yeah, I like I, I I like how broad it is. I don't mean like I I don't necessarily like the fart joke. No, it was terrible. But I also I, I it, it goes a bit like there there's some jokes that like go a little bit like okay I get it like I don't know the Argus guy apparently having a bondage fetish and Batman knowing about that and using it as leverage and like they that keep like weird. hammering on that punchline like all right I got it the first time. Just uh, I they, I feel like they took a big swing here and I I I respect that. I respect the swing. I do too. I, I respect that. So something else I'm interested in, since you guys didn't watch the featurettes, I can tell you, is that they had one on Gotham by Gaslight, which is the next we're going to oh, see. Oh, cool. And Yay! I'm excited about that sounds like, It sounds like they may be introducing into this rotation Elseworlds. Okay. Like That's, this is their first. Right. Because they say at some point, this is our first Elseworlds film. And mm-hmm. just the way, the, way they, the way they talked about it made it sound like there's going to be more of them. Okay. Uh, which is exciting to me because I always loved the Elseworld stories, and and since this was this was the first Elseworld story, it's the first Elseworld animated one, so that makes sense. Is it also the best Elseworld story? It's one of the best ones, although it's. I'm just, super I'm just thinking, short. like, are they, you know, is Red Sun? Or what? Right, that's the one that people keep asking about. Is <laughs> Red Sun? What I want. The, so the original Gotham of Gaslight is actually really, really short. Gaslight, not it Gaslight. is, yeah. And so you tend to get the collection that's got that, that one plus the sequel, which is done by a completely different art team. The original is drawn by Mike Mignola. I have the original. So this one, they said, is a combination of both plus a lot of new elements because they had to flesh the story out. It, you know, but the idea of Batman, basically Batman versus Jack the Ripper is, is a fun one. I'm looking forward to it. It, it looked super fun. And it's, you know, it's, it's a totally different kind of thing. This is a totally different kind of Batman story. I totally don't know the original. Some kind of Batman we've never even some seen kind of Batman we've never even seen before on screen, and it looks like it's pretty bloody from what they showed. From I'm looking forward to that. That one doesn't have a release date yet. Probably February for this. The next one is usually how it works. That sounds right. Oh, Connor, I did not end up going and seeing this movie in theaters. Didn't work out schedule wise. Uh-huh. But thanks for the link. No problem. <laughs> oh, this was a Fathom Events, right? I'd like to do one of those. It just didn't work. So Gotham, I guess, the next one. That's an Elseworlds story. That'll be f- really fun. I'm looking forward to that. Do they talk about the voice actors? Uh, they might have. I watched it a week ago. We're so old. I know. We're I'm, so old and not helpful to the audience. I'm losing everything. I don't think they actually did talk about the, the voice actors. They spent okay. a lot of time talking about the story because... It, oh, it's Bruce Greenwood. Bruce Greenwood's Batman. Hi. Oh. <laughs> He's the best. He's okay. Yeah, he's. I don't know. Yeah, he's good. <laughs> he was. I, he was Batman. And Batman some, under the Red Hood. You could do something more interesting, though. And he was Batman and Young Justice. Yeah, I like. Uh, yeah, I he like was his Batman. Kennedy. Yeah. 
Yeah. He's, he's Admiral Pike. Yeah. Um, it was Bruce Greenwood and, and Jennifer Carpenter as Selena Kyle. That's like, I don't know. I don't know who I'd want as steampunk Batman, but like. It's not really steampunk Batman. It's, it's Sherlock Holmes sorta. Batman. I mean, it's not like he's got. Victoriana it's Batman. Victorian Batman. If only there was a guy who played Batman that was also in a Victorian era movie. Hmm. What are you alluding to? Where, which one are you going with? Christian Bale. In, yeah, um, okay. All right. That's the one I went to, but thank you. <laughs> um, <so> then, <laughs> Sorry. Didn't mean to make it. So then after that, Suicide Squad held to pay. Bill Nye. Bill Nye is in the, the, the Limehouse Golem, which is, I think, direct to streaming and also in theaters. He could play Batman. Bill Nye? Yeah. It'd be, it'd be weird. I'll but. allow it. I'll allow him to play anyone. Next year, assuming Gotham by Gaslight com- Light comes out, the- why do I keep saying Gaslight? Gaslight comes out in the beginning of the year. Suicide Squad, Hell to Pay, which uh, not excited sure. about. Sure, Ryan is probably excited because he loved the last Suicide Squad. <laughs> he, he did love the last one. That was his favorite. That's his favorite of the all of them. And then uh, Death of Superman, Reign of Superman, the double feature, which is going to be interesting as they start remaking themselves in true Hollywood fashion. They're also coming out with the New Frontier in a Steelbook edition. Yes. It's like called the commemorative edition. I'm not a steelbook person, but it's cool that they are giving that one another shot because it's one of the one of the good ones. Yeah, it is one. I recently rewatched it, and it still holds up. I think they also put out Wonder Woman again, which I, I missed. The they did during the, during that, the movie that, came that, out. That, that's my favorite. But, yeah, that's a really good yeah. one, too. All right, so that's Batman and Harley Quinn. You can go to iFanboy.com. There'll be a post there if you want to talk about it. Feel free. In the meantime, Ryan, tell us to people about your show. I do a show called Science Sort of. We drink beer and talk about science to each other as scientists and friends. And Paul, are you, you're still coming up with Fuzzy Typewriter shows? Yeah, we're doing Fuzzy Typewriter. Um, we're work, I think we're going to do a, an It episode soon. So excited about that. It. It. It Chapter One. Spoiler. <laughs> so, There's going to be another one. <laughs> you didn't even need that spoiler considering the, the box office it, it, it did. Even if they hadn't yeah. put it in the film itself. Uh, so that you could talk, listen to those shows. You get the weekly iFanboy Pick of the Week show. We talk about the weekly books. Special edition shows up at Yin Yang. It's iFanboy family is busy this final quarter. Uh, so oh, you yeah. can find all those shows at iFanboy.com and ScienceSortOf.com. Yep. And FuzzyTypewriter.com. Just follow me on Twitter. There's also RyanHelp.com, which you can learn about my research that I do as a scientist. Yeah, that sounds exciting. Until next time, I'm Connor. <laughs> I'm Paul. I'm Ryan. My grandma texted me a picture of a sloth, so at least he's on board. Connor. Ryan, do you have any final points about the movie? Let me, uh, let me a quick addendum. There's so much I want to do. I've got love enough for two. But I'll never use a girl if I don't have you. Yeah.